This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Today on the Online Inquirer podcast, let's get some more in-depth discussion of what the heck is going on with Illinois basketball. Michael Tulip, our Illini Inquirer basketball analyst, joins us. Sorry to yell at you there, but feels like a time worth yelling, which is why I can't blame Brad Underwood uh, for, for going off on his team a lot. I know that's a big discussion point with a lot of Illini fans. Uh, didn't seem to be that way when they were winning, uh, but now that they're losing um, and, and worth yelling about, uh, it's become an issue again. But I get it. it. This is a really frustrating, underachieving team right now, uh, but it's one that's got a lot of things to figure out. Obviously, this is a piece-together team, one that's very talented, that was worth getting excited about, but all of these pieces are not gelling together. But the weird thing is we've seen it gel together and seen it accomplish some really good things, right? They beat UCLA. They beat Texas. They had a really good chance to beat Virginia, and I I still don't hate that effort of that game, right? Um, But, boy, four of the last five games against high-major opponents have been Really, really disappointing, and even some of those games against by opponents weren't all that great. So Brad Underwood's got a lot to figure out. So I talked to Mike Latulip about what can Brad Underwood do right now with this team? Why is this team playing this way? What what are they doing offensively and defensively? Uh, and really, what concerns him the most? Who concerns him the most on this team right now? And can they right the ship? Because... It doesn't get any easier with a top 15 team in Wisconsin coming to the State Farm Center and kind of the exact opposite of what Illinois is right now. Wisconsin's a team that's grown together that might not have NBA talent, but they play really well together. They play for each other. Uh, this Illinois team doesn't seem to be doing that right now. So Michael Tulip breaks down all of his thoughts on Illinois basketball. Fantastic breakdown, as always. That's coming up next on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into the Online Enquirer podcast. It's time to talk with Mike Latulip. And Mike, Illinois basketball is a little bit of a mess right now. They fall to 0-3 with a 73-60 loss at Northwestern. A third straight double-digit loss uh, to a, a high-major opponent. It, I, it's just jarring that the team we saw beat UCLA, compete with Virginia, um, you know, beat Texas. All of a sudden, looks like right now one of the the biggest messes uh, in the Big Ten right now. Uh, what'd you make of last night? You touched on Vegas. I can't, I can't unsee what I saw in Vegas. I can't. You don't accidentally win win that game against UCLA. You don't accidentally win that game against Texas. That's not how basketball works. And the beauty of this game is the fact that most times the output will correlate with the input, like a lot of things in life. And I'm in terms of panic meter, I would be much higher if we didn't see what we saw in Vegas. But the fact of the matter right now is there's a lot of things that need to be addressed um, or doubled down on because I'm sure they are being addressed. And I, this team has to figure out who they want to be and how they want to go through this Big Ten slate because the reality is if you don't play with the requisite amount of effort in basketball IQ, this league will chew you up and spit you out. And I think they're starting to realize that early on. So. Last night, you mentioned it, jarring for sure. Uh, just the ebbs and flows of flashes. Like, hey, that was great. And then not so much. So a lot to unpack, obviously, but certainly not uh, not the best. Absolutely. Um, yeah, this, this team is, is a complete mess offensively right now. Um, defensively, they do certain things. Well, uh, in, in the half court, uh, Dane Danger with his drop coverage and that, but my panic meter is pretty high, Mike. If we're doing on a scale of one to ten, uh, eight and a half probably with, with this team, I, I think this is a, a huge inflection point. And what, what has me even higher thinking about a nine is they've had these moments. Brad Underwood knew his team needed a jolt, so after Penn State, he goes off like he pulled that lever early, so he certainly saw things before that. that that he wasn't happy about. And then you followed up with the Missouri game. And then you followed up with this Northwestern game. I, I just don't know if the leadership is there. I, I feel like Brad Underwood is, is making some desperation moves offensively and defensively scrapping stuff that they had practiced all off season and changing it up. So what's your panic meter at Mike? Yeah. Like I said, I mean, it's at, it's at probably a seven, seven and a half because of Vegas knowing that it's in there. For some teams, if you don't see it, then you don't ever know if it's there. And But it's there. It's just, my from my purview, watching this team, what's changed, right? And I think by all accounts, and guys say it all the time, hey, we like each other. I don't think that's an issue. I don't think this team doesn't like each other. But for every team, 
for every relationship, for every friendship, whatever that may be, there's a certain point where you go from liking each other or liking somebody to caring about someone. You can like someone. Like there's plenty of people I know in my life. I like, I like them. I don't not like them. Do I care? Like, am I super invested in? No, because like I got other things going on in my life. But look, for this team, there has to be a level of care. I think these guys care. I just don't think they care about the right things right now. Hmm. And that's what I think. And we'll, we'll we'll touch on maybe some adjustments or things that Underwood can try to pull out of these guys. But that's what I see is when you get wrapped up in all the other stuff, it starts to rear its head in a really, really ugly way. And we're seeing that. And it's even more so. It's even more magnified. It's even more amplified when it's a young, inexperienced team. Those holes become much bigger. And that free fall can be much further. So, yeah, no, I think there's, there's certainly, if you don't have any panic, that's an issue. Because with panic comes desperation. And that's what I want to see from this team is, can we, can we play with some desperation? I saw it from Ty Berry. I saw that from some of the guys on Mizzou. And that's all I keep going back to. Who do you want to be? Right? Because I know everybody's got aspirations. Everybody wants to go play in the league, everyone do that. But at what point do you look back at this game and be like, even if that's what you're invested in is my future, how does that look good right now? Right. Like, right? Like doing it your way. Like your way is not working. And that probably still was the case with Texas and UCLA in those games. And 18 to 22-year-olds, the fact of the matter is when you want to tell them that things are wrong, when things results-wise have gone right, it's hard to get through to them. I've been in those locker rooms. I've seen it. And until you really get punched in the face, which 0-3 in the Big Ten, schedules and get much lighter, like your way is not working, man. Yeah, so – Mike, it's like, what can this team count on? And um, you mentioned it, playing for the right things. What is that to you? Like, how how do you see that as a former player? What is this? Um, what is this team right now? And, and what can they count on, or or what do they need to start counting on? And let me let me go through the human nature aspect of this because it's a really great case study, use case, whatever you want to call it, for dynamics. You know team dynamics, people, let's go through each guy on this team, right? And I kind of have them in different mm-hmm. brackets. Shannon Meyer, fifth-year transfers, let's call a spade a spade. Anytime you fifth-year transfer with a, a dream of going and playing in the league, it's a stepping stone. It is. Yeah. And how do you say, all right, I need to make a decision because that's what – the decision to go to Illinois – it's a selfish decision. Selfish, we use that in negative connotation, but it's, it is. It's what's best for me. And then once you get there, the decision is what's best for you, but your time there has to be focused on the team. And some guys can't shake out of that. I'm not saying that that's 100% what's happening with th- those two guys, but the human nature element of it is I'm thinking about my future. How is this impacting? And so that's, that's one bracket of guys. The second bracket of guys is Hawkins and Melendez, where even if you say they've been in the program, this is a year where, hey, for me, I have an increased role. I have increased usage. What can this do for me? 
So now you have two more guys that human nature, you were going to think about things a little more selfishly. But, and then the next five guys haven't played college basketball. Right. So, and, and I've been there as a freshman. I was the only freshman on the 2012, 2013 team. And I know that day by day, you are very, very fixated on how things are going for you because you've had a, you've dreamt, dreamt about your college career and you're riding this roller coaster of, Oh God, am I cut out for this? Am I not? Am I, I'm, uh. and that's, I just named every guy that plays. <laughs> that's every single guy. So that's why I think this is one of the tougher coaching jobs that Brad Underwood's going to have. Not because these guys are bad kids. I think they're all good kids. I think they all want to win, but you're battling this human nature part of it. That is like, Ah, oh, well, what about me? Right? Like, and, and part of that is, and this is that next step. This is when teams become really good. It's relinquishing the control that you think you have as a player. And that control is like, ah, uh, if I get my desired output in this game, production-wise, I can do I can do that. That's in my hands. When really the teams that do anything worth a damn relinquish that like just because you didn't have any production in this first half are you a complete zero now like stats wise what you had two points one rebound no assist what are you impacting the game in any other way because that's ultimately what matters and for anybody that wants to play at the next level professionally nba overseas whatever it is you know what teams care about the impact winning. Because for 99.9999% of anybody that has aspirations of going to the league, what you think your role is going to be on those teams, look at Io. We've talked about it. That is not the role he played at Illinois, but because Io is Io, he can adjust. And he can make winning plays because he did that at Illinois. So I know that's a lot to yeah. unpack, but – no, I think that the talent is here, and and you've said it. UCLA, even Virginia, I'll put that in there, and Texas. They they've shown us what this team could be, um, and, and you know that's why the the Underwood presser after Penn State was notable. It's why the Matthew Meyer stuff was was notable because it just felt like something was off with this team dynamic. So if you're Brad Underwood, Mike, like what can you do, like? He's already pulled some levers, some desperation levers uh, with the press conference, with changing his scheme. Obviously, Brad is not getting through. Like, the coaching job, let's be honest, like, if we're just calling it what it is, this, there's, this talent on the team should not be 9-5, and 0-3 oh uh, in the Big Ten. So what does, what does he have to do now, uh, given the point they're at right now? Yeah, I, I mentioned I think it's going to be one of the toughest coaching jobs he's had. Because early on with the rebuild, low expectations. You know, then you then you graduate to having Io, having Kofi winning championships with Trent and Demonte, and uh, you know you have an older, experienced team, so the expectations are higher. Now, when you look at shoot, young team, new team, an experienced team, and high expectations, that's hard, man. That's really hard, and. You know, when you get when you have back to back championships in, in 21 and 22, most times, and probably 10 years ago, five years ago, before this player mobility and moving around and NIL, like before there was this 
self-sustainability to programs that won championships because the natural order of it was, hey, we won championships. And now these five to six guys, sometimes six to seven guys that are underclassmen, the, un- the upperclassmen set the standard. They follow that and the winning continues. It sustains. That's how, that's how Villanova, that's how these cultures were built. And now it's different because you can overhaul quickly with talent. But the ins and outs of, of how you manage and create a team and create a culture, I mean, they basically had to go back to square one this year mm-hmm. on the culture side of it. Because I'm not sure that Coleman Hawkins and RJ Melendez, because of the things I mentioned, the human nature element of like, man, this is a big opportunity for me. I don't, I don't think they were necessarily in tune with, hey, I still got to worry about leading other guys. And that's what makes being a leader hard. And look, I think the reality is what Brad foresaw for this team and what he had kind of hoped for schematically wasn't resulting in consistency. And it was probably too much freedom for a team that was young, for a team that hasn't gelled. You give that type of freedom to a team that has been around, right? But we can just let you, we know, you know what you're doing defensively. You know what you're doing offensively. I think he kind of was battling with, all right, I want to give these guys freedom because I think that's how they can play well. I think we're realizing that's not the case with this team. Like he's going to have to grip the reins a little bit. How, How the offense looks when it's just in the flow of the game and how the offense looks when he has to draw something up out of timeout. It's night and day. All of a sudden, RJ Melendez is backdoor cutting to the basket because he's told to. Yeah. And in the second half, when Coleman Hawkins gets the ball skipped to him and he pass fakes to one side and Matthew Meyer and RJ Melendez are on the right wing with one defender because one guy rotated all the way over on the left side and Coleman Hawkins fakes it. And for some reason goes back to the loaded side again, there was one guy guarding Matthew Meyer. RJ Melendez was alone in the corner Coleman Hawkins is 6'10". There was no one within 15 feet of the paint. And R.J. Melendez stayed in the corner. Like, he just stayed there. He, he could have walked down to the lane. Coleman Hawkins fires a pass to him. He has a dunk. And I, I don't know. I know for a fact that that's being shown on a film. I, I, I can't explain it. Like, I, I, you, it's like you have to right. get in the mind of the... Because somebody, somebody would sit there and say, well, they're not well coached then. But I... I... He's shown he's a good coach. <laughs> yeah, he, and he look like there's just no way, there's no way that like that guy is way too good of a coach. For and part of it's like some guys like feel as good and some guys feel isn't as good and it's like hey and part of that's trusting it right like don't second guess RJ second guessing a lot right now yeah and I think that's showing itself in a lot of different areas but look I think the for point blank. If you're Brad Underwood right now, to me, this is way less about scheme. It's way less about scheme. I think the, the sole job that you have to do for the rest of the season is try to guide these guys on a path to unity. That's the, that's the goal. Because I, I, I think that will – and I know he's, he's trying to do that. And I think trying to break through and – it's like the old stone cutters, right? Like you hit it a hundred times in the hundred and first time it breaks. And I think that's going to unlock so much because I don't know what you can do with scheme when guys have other agendas. I don't know what you can do with defensive schemes when guys want to gamble and jump out in passing lanes and, you know, completely compromise the rest of your defense. Cause that's the other thing. 
their half court defense when they're not fouling is elite. I, yeah. It is. Dane Danger is. I fall out of my chair watching games, how good he is in drop coverage. His feel, not only just to contest, but stunt, stunt and get back to his guy, box out, not only hit, but go and get. It's defensively, it's there. And the reason why that's most important is because if you want to win in this league, you have to be able to win ugly. If you cannot win ugly, you will not win in this league. Think This team that won a championship last year, a regular season championship, this Illinois team, I mean, you go 60 to 55 against Penn State towards the end of the season, 56 55 against Michigan State, and then whatever. Like, there was another game right after that. I forget who they played, and it was 59 50, at Northwestern. Yep. DeMonte's tipping 59 56. And then there was another one earlier in the season. You flip those four games, you're 11 and nine. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's where this league is won. If you can't win the ugly games, sayonara. And I, and I think they, they'll start to figure that out. But, He's got his work cut out for him. That's for sure. Let's start defensively, Mike. Um, there are two issues right now. Our turnovers are leading to such easy buckets for the team. I mean, Northwestern had 22 points off 15 turnovers. Missouri had 33 points off, off 17 turnovers. Like that, That's just jailbreaks they have going. The, the turnovers they have are atrocious. I know it's an offensive thing, but it's leading to defensive um, issues because they're just giving up easy points. And then easy points on free throws. They can't stop fouling. So, so how do they, how do they stop both those things, Mike? Because that that's how they're giving up points. Because as you said, I think Underwood mentioned this synergy half court defensive metrics. They are elite. I'll show the film too. I mean, when when they're set, when they're doing what they're supposed to do, it's really hard to score on this team. And I think it, it, to me, it all goes back to the IQ element of it. And you can't be a robot. You you can't get yelled at, hey, we need you to play with more effort. Okay, I'll go foul. You know, or, or hey, I need you to drive to the basket. Yeah. All right, cool. I'll, I'll just do that and not have a plan. And I'll jump off of one foot and I'll turn the ball over. Like, there, you, you have to try to value the things that contribute to winning. And right now, this team is not good enough offensively to turn the ball over the way that they did. I believe the three times – the three times that Michigan State won this league in the last 10 years, they were, I think, 12th, 13th, and 14th in turnover percentage. They were last. But you know what? They had a really good offense, too, when they didn't turn the ball over. You can't have a below-average offense and turn the ball over. You just can't do that. And, and you know, you're not a great free-throw shooting team as well. So, and the difference, too, with that Michigan State team, and I know we've gone, whatever, 18 minutes into this podcast and haven't talked about it, this team doesn't have a point guard. So the other, the other issue, and I'll show it on the film, the other issue for this team, and I think Matthew Meyer, he was trying to allude to it when, they, when, he was talk, when he was talked to after the game last night. He said, hey, we have these sets offensively. It's just getting into it. And right now, I see Jay Neps, Sky Clark, and Terrence Shannon, who all three of those guys are not point guards. They're handling the ball, but they're not point guards. The difference between starting your offense at 27 feet and 21 feet is the difference between whether or not you, you can have and run solid offense. Because, like you got, Think about it like this. When I enter the ball at 27 feet instead of 21 feet, there's six feet that is now throwing off timing of everything that you do. 
And it's not just timing of your cuts. It's timing of the help defensively. Like, I have so much more time to rotate over because you're cutting from 27 feet and not 21 feet. Like, you never put the defense in a predicament because, you know, they can just kind of sit and, and, and scope out where the cuts are coming from as opposed to them being so much more tighter and harder to react to. And we've, we've brought up Andre Curbelo, and I know that I'm talking about him as a pure point guard because reality is he's suspended again for St. John's. But as a point guard, the one thing you weren't doing to Andre Curbelo, you were not dictating where he started his offense. He was getting all the way into you. He was putting you on his hip, and we were getting right to the three-point line. And that's where we're starting offense. And that's when you don't have a point guard. That's really hard to do. So I'm watching this team. Yeah, it's like five out. But, I mean, there are guys dribbling three feet in front of half court with like 13 seconds left in the shot clock. And that's, that's an issue. And then defensively, the following, it's, it's being out of position. And when you're out of position, you typically have to over-pursue one way or another. You're out of position, you get beat off the dribble, you got to over-pursue, you foul. You off the ball, you're out of position, you over-pursue, you foul. Or guys have to rotate over late. And that's how that all happens. I mean, Matthew Meyer, it was atrocious. His defensive effort last night, I know he had three blocks off the ball. I, I mean, I've, I've, literally, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, his hands are on his knees when the ball is, like, in play. Yeah. It's being dribbled around. I mean, it is the, the conservation that he does defensively is hurting this team. Because at one point, I mean, there was a stretch where he reaches with his, with his outside arm or I guess inside to his man to try to steal the ball on the sideline, pass gets through. Now his back's turned. He he trails fouls. Yep. Ty Berry comes off a flare and it's a rescreen. Like Chris Collins was picking on Matthew Meyer, a fifth year guy, was like, "Hey, we're gonna have him be the guy that's clearing out on the weak side because he's not gonna be paying attention to anything that's going on behind him." I'll show it in the film. But little stuff like that—that's how you can alleviate this. And it seems so trivial. And I'm sure for the staff, you're scratching your head too. But, I, I mean, at some point, especially for a guy that's talking about like, hey, I want to be a defensive player of the year, because I know that's the feedback that he got from the NBA. I was like, hey, man, like defensively, you got to tighten it up. So, like, don't tell me, like, don't tell me you want to go to the NBA and then simultaneously put, that, put on that type of effort defensively. Because now you're just, now you're fooling yourself. Yeah, so. and then with, with Meyer, we'll, we'll get into some of the veterans here. The the, the shot selection, uh, he, his offense is so needed, and, and that's why Brad Underwood's riding, riding this roller coaster. But um, you know, the shot selection just kills his team uh, at certain points. Let's, let's build on that offense. You talked about it. Yeah, is is the ball handling and the lack thereof? Is that just confidence? Is that just toughness? Um, you know, because Sky Clark can dribble the ball, Jaden Epps can dribble the like so. What is the issue of getting into that offense and, and how do they fix it? Or is this just the problem of, of going with two freshman kind of combo guards as your lead guards? Yeah, that, I mean, that is the problem. And Terrence, you know, when he gets to his left hand, obviously it's really hard to keep him out of the paint. But it, it, there's a predictability to that as well. And guys can load up and they kind of know what he's getting to. But it all starts with, Part of it's, yes, the ball handling, but even when you enter the ball, you got to set up your cuts, right? And it seems like, okay, Mike, but like if I know that I'm standing on the right block 
and I have to come out to the right wing to catch to start our offense. Like that is a very important catch. And it's probably going to dictate how the possession goes. That little cut. I mean, this is a game of deception, man. I've said it before. Like instead of just, all right, he crossed half court. All right, go out. And instead of trying to make it a foot race, you got to do your work early. Right? I'm looking at the guy who's on the left block. Hey, come here. I get a, I get a head turn, go. Like you have to make up that space there. You don't make up the space just in a foot race. So it's setting up your cuts. It's being tougher. It's getting into guys, being physical. And that's, that's how I think you can alleviate some of this. And you'll help the ball handler as well. So I, I, I don't really know how you fix that other than just telling guys you got to be tougher with it. I think the turnovers are such an issue that I think guys don't want to turn it over. And when you don't want to turn it over, you turn it over. Yep. That's how the game works. Because you're not, you're not being as confident with the ball. And when you're not confident with the ball, you know who smells that? The defenders. And they'll get into you because you look uncomfortable. It doesn't look natural. So, you know, you can talk about this or drill that or do that, but sometimes it's as simple as you got to make a decision. Like, who are you going to be? Like, are you going to back into the guy, get him down? Are you going to set up your cuts? Are you going to have some deception to you? Because if you don't, you're going to really not be happy with the way offense is running. And I don't think anybody's going to be happy. So just little stuff, man. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Mike, we talked about Matthew Meyer. I mean, he just goes rogue at times. He's, he's, he's a roller coaster. Um, and right now he played 30 minutes last night. So I think it tells you Brad Underwood thinks he, he has to, to ride that. Um, but he's a potential NBA draft prospect. We've seen that. He's a potential NBA guy, but I don't think he's helping himself with, with the way he's playing. Coleman Hawkins during the first month did look like a, a potential NBA draft pick. Terrence Shannon for the first month of the season looked like a top 20 NBA draft pick. None of these guys are helping themselves right now. I, I, Terrence, man, it's it just you want to see the aggression. You got to see the leadership. Like you need an alpha, and he's never had to be that. And it still looks like he's struggling to be that, even though we see certain signs. Like the beginning of the first half, I thought he was taking over, uh, was getting to the lane, made a couple big shots. Uh, and then Coleman Hawkins, man, like they need him so bad, but he just looks like a shell of himself until the final five minutes. And it's like, where's that Coleman Hawkins been? So which of those guys concerns you most right now? Well, let me start by saying this. I think for all three of those guys, and this is a, this is a thing for this team because I look at Northwestern, I look at Mizzou, and you could argue for both those teams. Kobe Brown is probably playing himself into an NBA draft pick. Yeah. But there's a certain – I'm not sure how to put this. There's a – and this is maybe very cliché – there's a certain look in guys' eyes. And with Terrence, with Coleman, with Matt, what I see at times is results dictating who they think they are. And you got to know who you are. 
Because when you know who you are, then results won't results won't throw you on a roller coaster. Like I see Terrence nodding his head, wolfing, doing all that stuff. Like he hits the three to put him up 40-36, nodding his head, clapping. Now he's fighting through screens. He's deflecting the ball out of bounds. Don't you cannot let results dictate what kind of player you are. Have the confidence to understand you are all three of those guys are very, very, very good basketball players. And you 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 cannot let any other thing tell you otherwise and you also can't let any other thing tell you that you are you have to know who you are and I'll let, let's talk about Coleman Coleman obviously it concerns me just because of the slight regression I know he cares I know he wants to do well and I know he's in a position like we talked about where he could be an NBA draft pick I, going off the draft boards sounds like he is and the reality with Coleman and this is kind of the funny part of the NBA and what most kids don't understand is I saw him on draft boards at the end of last season. He was a late second round pick at the end of last season. And frankly, that was a guy doing likely exactly what he would be doing at the next level. Rally is Coleman Hawkins. Let, you know, he plays in the NBA. He's not going to be the, like the point of attack initiator. Like he's not going to be that. What he is going to be at the next level is exactly what he was last year. And that's catch and shoot. That's offensive rebound. That's defended at a high level. Now, he, he shot up some draft boards because of some of the early performances. But make no mistake of what brought you to the dance. Like, make no mistake of why you were on there in the first place last year. And it had nothing to do with triple doubles. And that stuff was icing on the cake. Like, oh, man, he can do that, too. In 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 waves but the one thing we know with coleman hawkins that he can do and the one thing that i i use the phrase brought him to the dance is all that other motor stuff right like that's what i know if you're an nba team because hey you're a late first round pick probably going to a good team you're a second round pick now you're probably eighth ninth tenth eleventh twelfth guy we got to know when you throw you in there you can't just be only worth a damn when you have the ball in your hands and he's like just it's like a it's emblematic of this team Coleman's done it before like just like we say oh Vegas like this team we've seen it we've seen Coleman do this before and part of it is you'll it's amazing what you'll do when you are starving for playing time it's amazing what you'll do and it's amazing the psychology I'm not saying this is what Coleman's doing but it's amazing as a player in human nature when you know when you know that you're not coming out Right when you know you have twenty plus minutes, I, I don't know. I don't know why things change like that. And I know guys feel like they got to go above and beyond and do this because I oh I'm counted on more, so I need to to do more. It's no. We just need you to be even better at those things that you're great at. And I think that's where that's where he's running into trouble. And some of the you know he had a he had a shot fake right before the timeout where Brad scolded them. The step back that he had on Nicholson, I believe his name is, um, he could have just gone right by him with his right hand. He let Nicholson off the hook by snatching back and shooting that step back. And I don't get it. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't have an explanation for that. And at some point, it's got to bother him. Like, at some point, he's got to you know, kind of look in the mirror and be like, man, what brought me to the dance? Okay, cool. I'm gonna be really good at that. Yeah, and I guarantee you that if he if he takes that on, if he accepts that challenge, 
this team will absolutely be better because that's how much you got to count on Coleman Hawkins. Yeah, I think my answer would be Coleman um, because I feel like he's in a bigger rut than either of those other guys, and I, I just feel like he's so important to everything they do. Uh, and, and he's one of the lone holdovers. Like He knows what it takes to, to win, even if he wasn't playing a big role. But a lot of those things are the little things uh, that, that they need to be better. Uh, let's go to the underclassmen. We expected freshmen to be up and down. But, man, R.J. Melendez is in some kind of rut. One for his last 14 since he had that shoulder injury. Uh, but Sky Clark is has not been in a good place here either. You've mentioned it, Mike. Jay Neps, I, I feel like, is one of your most consistent, reliable guys. Dane Danger has been one of your most consistent, reliable guys. Ty Rogers in playing. Sincere Harris probably had his worst game of the season especially with that technical. Um, but which of the freshmen, under, underclassmen, I guess, uh, concerns you most right now? Yeah, obviously, RJ, um, there, there's little things there. And look, I had the, the pleasure of being at shoot-around uh, before the Bethune-Cookman game. That dude doesn't miss. Like, he doesn't miss. When they're going through 5-on-0, when they're doing drill, like, he does not miss. And what ends up happening is when you start doubting yourself a little bit, when you're a little unsure part of it too, like let's call a spade a spade. You have a shoulder injury. That's not, that's not easy, especially shooting mechanics, load up all of that. And I think for him, what you don't want, like you, and it's, it's once again, trusting yourself and what kind of player you are and not trusting or not just like putting all this weight into what the results are. Like he knows he's a good shooter. He knows he's a good basketball player. And what you have to fight is, you know, he had he took eight threes against Bethune-Cookman. He took two last night. And when you take two and you have lower volume, the human nature thing is to put a lot of weight into those two shots, right? You put a lot of weight into that. Or he might, he might have taken one. And, again, you cannot play the results. Now, with Sky... Sky concerns me because he looks like he's obviously lost some confidence. Some of that is from, yeah, you know, some of that's from the, you know, being like the confidence element of it, um, or, or just kind of losing, probably losing a step just with the injury, and he looks like he's not absorbing contact in a way, and that's, I mean, that's the reality with, with shoulder injuries. But like a few other guys, I think he's desperately trying to figure out who he is on this team and where he fits in. Like some of his some of his shots right now feel a little bit out of rhythm. When you feel like he should drive, he's shooting it. He's driving it when he probably should shoot it. So it's he's figuring it out, and it's hard. Like you know, being a freshman, dealing with those peaks and valleys because they happen to all of them. I mean, Ty Rogers is barely playing now, right. and he comes in for not very long and gets rejected on a screen, and they hit three. So this this league is unforgiving, especially to freshmen, the ones that do well playing the NBA. Um, so he'll, he'll figure it out. He'll figure it out. I, I talked about it last year, you know, the, or I talked about it earlier in the season or before, the preseason. Be Chucky Hepburn, man. Yeah. I mean, it's not pretty. <laughs> it's not pretty, but he's, he's willing to step up in big moments. Uh, you know, he's seven and four, I, I think, uh, last year. And that's exactly what Sky is right now. And you don't, you don't need to, you know, he doesn't need to be an 11 and five guy. But like, if you're seven and four, like, Great. Now, what else are you doing, and how else are you impacting winning? So, I'm confident that Sky will will turn it around. For a lot of freshmen, it's, it's just kind of seeing that one game, right? Those shots kind of fall. And I know once again that's kind of playing results, but 
Yeah. That's that's how it is for for young guys. So I, I'm I'm confident he can turn it around. It's kind of what it feels like with Jaden. Jaden had that game and he he's had confidence and never kind of looked back. Uh, Mike, just big picture. I mean, this this is a portal team. This is an NIL team. This is a young team. All those things mixed together seems to be creating this concoction of messiness right now. It's a deathly combo. It, it is. It's it's a very deadly combo, and that's what makes this so difficult. And it's honestly hard for me to even speak on it because I, I, I didn't live through the NIL age. And I know, I think a lot of us, you know, it's like the, it's the, it's the buzzword, right? The second there's a bad game, oh, he's NIL. Yeah. You know, it's, but it is, I mean, there's, cause the fact of the matter is, and this isn't, I'm not just saying Illinois, this is all over the country. Things that you used to be able to manage as uh, staff, right. Or, you know, if certain guys or certain family members or people in, in certain people's circles, they'll, they're, they're more prevalent now before it was like, Oh, playing time and shots like that. I mean, that's, that's like, you'll have a parent calling in, you'll have this and that. Now it's all these other things, business opportunities, payments, the, that like, that is just, that is not what, that's not what these coaching staff, that's not why they got into college basketball. That's not why they got into the profession. But the fact of the matter is it's here and it's going to be here. So figuring out ways to, to navigate that. And the portal is always going to be like, I don't care what, I don't care what it is. Like that's, that ain't going away either. And the fact of the matter is you had to replace, I I probably don't have this number, right? Is 86% right for scoring. I mean, I, I don't know if there's a team ever that has had to replace 86% of their scoring and have two top 10 wins, <laughs> two top 10 Kim Pom wins in the, like the first month of the season. That seems impossible. And now you just, like I said, I'll tie it all back to what I said earlier. You have to find a way to get these guys to graduate from liking each other to caring about each other. Like that is, and, and what that looks like, knowing that, hey man, Taryn Shannon, Matthew Meyer, likely Coleman Hawkes, Shoot, four or five months, gone. So you could look at it both one of two ways. Man, I got to buckle down. I only got four to five months of this. Or you could say, I got four to five months of this. Just get through it. And I'm on to what I see in my mind as bigger and better things. But the reality is, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what team or what NBA, like you still have to win games. Yep. And I always tie it back to, Denzel Valentine and and Travis Trice, you know, they that that Michigan State team wasn't or Bryn Forbes, right? That that Michigan State team wasn't like the most talented team in the world, but they made a final four. And when you win, when you advance in the tournament, more eyes on you. And that doesn't mean you have to do more. That's just more exposure for people like, man, not only does this guy do these little things that maybe we could utilize on our team, but he's a part of winning. And and that that at the end of the day is more important to a lot of teams than all this other things that I think guys put weight into. So the NIL, the portal, being young, managing you know NBA draft expectations, like all that stuff, that is a mountain of stuff to deal with. And it's the reason why some teams overachieve and some teams underachieve. Right? I think I if we want to call a spade a spade. That team last year, that Illinois team last year, they overachieved because. Trent Frazier, Jacob Grandison, Alfonso Plummer, uh, Demonte Williams, 
I mean, maybe in their mind, they're like, yeah, I, I want to play in the NBA. But it wasn't as talked about as it is for some of these other guys. It was just, hey, man, I, I want to win. I want to survive. Now, Trent Frazier might be playing himself in the NBA. I saw he had 45 the other night and 11 assists again. But that's the difference, man. And just figuring out who you want to be, who you're going to be when this, when this thing gets tough. Because I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to say a lot. And there's a lot of lessons to be learned for this team. And it's just whether or not they're receptive to it. Because if they are, this is, this is going to help all of them in terms of navigating not just through their college basketball careers, but for the guys that are leaving, like, oh, man, what's important and how can I succeed within the confines of a team? Mike, before I let you go, I, I find Saturday fascinating because it's it's a tale of opposite teams, right? Um, Wisconsin shows up, not high expectations, but a team that's grown together. You mentioned Chucky Hepburn, Tyler Wall, you know, becomes more of a star this year. Stephen Crowell goes to a bigger role. Jordan Davis to a bigger role. Uh, and, and they're atop the Big Ten while Illinois is at the bottom of the Big Ten. Um, so what do you want to see? Because Ken Palm, the metrics, Illinois is still a favorite uh, in this one, which is uh, amazing given the, the differences of these teams. What do you want to see on Saturday? You know, Wisconsin is, is the team where you, you better limit mistakes. And the mistakes have been in abundance for this Illinois team over the past – few games they because the, the fact of the matter is this Wisconsin team's not going to make many and they're not and it's frustrating it's really frustrating and you got to limit second chance opportunities and because if you don't they'll make you pay um and, and you just I don't know you, you can't get out toughed on your home court you can't like you got you got to protect home court Penn State came in there and whooped you and that can't happen when what's hurt these Wisconsin teams is the Dane Dangers of the world because Kofi feasted. Kofi feasted every time. That, and I'm not saying Dane is Kofi because that's not fair to, to compare this guy who's early on in his career to a first-team All-American. But the guys with length, size, like that's bothered this team. And, and you, you cannot tough them. But you, the mental side of it, you got to be on point with the scout. you got to be on point with limiting miscues defensively, limiting turnovers. Because if they go in there and they they turn the ball over, throw it all over the court, foul like crazy, it could get ugly. But I'm confident that you know the hope is that this Northwestern game is like, man, all right, enough's enough, enough's enough. Like we're we're all hurting ourselves here. So what are you gonna do? And this is a good, this is a great chance with against a ranked team at home to, you know, maybe inject some life. And I think Terrence said it last night. Hey, we're gonna rattle off a few and. Uh, it's funny how fast this goes, man. You could sit here and be like, we got 17 left. It gets to 10 quick. It gets to four quick. And then you're in the Big Ten tournament. What you don't want to do is say, yeah, we got to win three in a row. We got to win four in a row. You don't want to put yourself in that situation. So the urgency has to start. It should have started a while ago, but it's got it's definitely got to start now. Yeah, there's been a, a lot of wake-up calls in the last month, and maybe this one's it. Maybe it's not. Uh, we'll find out in, in the coming weeks. Michael Tulip, you're the goods. Thanks for the time as always, man. Appreciate it. Great stuff as always from Michael Tulip. Appreciate his time as always and just a fantastic breakdown. We're lucky to have him. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. How does this team respond? Do they have it in them? I think they do based on what we saw in November, early December, but based on the last month, I don't think they do. So you got Wisconsin at home, go on the road to Nebraska, Home against Michigan State on the road at Minnesota. There's some real possibilities for wins there. 
The schedule was supposed to set up nicely for Illinois. Penn State at home, Northwestern on the road. Uh, Wisconsin, Michigan State at home, going to be tough games, but you're at home. And then at Nebraska and at Minnesota. There's a lot of games left, but as Mike said, um, they, they come at you quick. And uh, none of these teams are easy. None of these teams are easy. Nebraska beat Iowa. Nebraska beat Creighton. Nebraska beat Florida State. It's not a very good Florida State team, but it's Nebraska. Uh, Michigan State's had some struggles. You know, they haven't played a lot of great opponents here recently, but they beat Penn State on the road. They beat Nebraska at home by 18 points. Right? And then you get (laughs) Minnesota's not good. They just lost to Wisconsin by three on the road. So they've been competitive at, at times. Got to turn this around. And the the players got to figure this out. Brad Underwood's got to figure this out. And uh, we'll see how they respond yet again. They haven't responded to these losses uh, well so far and just seems to build upon each other, compound upon each other. And uh, not a good place to be for them. But they have the talent to turn around, but they got to find a way to play together. All right, thank you as always for listening to the Alana Inquirer podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review wherever you get your podcasts. And find us on YouTube as well. Hit the subscribe button, hit the like button on YouTube. The following there has been phenomenal. I'm always on YouTube. So uh, if you'd rather listen to us there, see us there for whatever reason, uh, it's a fun way to to get all your Alana Inquirer content there. And of course, all of our content at alanainquirer.com. Derek Piper with a great column on Illinois men's basketball after the Northwestern loss and where they're at. Joy Wagner just posted a great feature on Makaira Cook and what she's meant for Illinois women's basketball, which they play tonight as I'm recording this on January 5th, Thursday. They play tonight against Northwestern, and uh, you feel good about where that team's going, even if it is a a new-look team. They found a way to gel together uh, and really play well together and, and really revive that program to where right now Illinois women's basketball looks like the better bet to make the NCAA tournament than the men, despite the men's two great uh, resume wins early on in the season. Uh, it'd be nice if both of those teams could get into there. And of course, we've got a lot of Illini football content. I had a note on a transfer target who plans to visit Illinois this week. Uh, NFL draft decisions coming up as well. And of course, Malik Elzey with his decision coming up on Saturday afternoon at the All-American Bowl. That starts at noon, so sometime during that game, uh, Malik Elzey will make his decision, which is a huge one uh, for Illinois football potential and land one of the best prospects in the state and the best prospect in the Chicago Public Leagues. Check it all out at IlliniInquire.com. $1 for your first month of VIP access if you're not a member right now. All right, everybody, take care of each other. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.